Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Chelsea and a happy St David's Day to you all. I feel so sort of privileged to be Welsh on this day. It reminds me of my forebears and, and my ancestors, but enough of that. I hope everyone enjoyed the wonderful weather we've had this last few days. It seems to have taken a turn today, but wasn't it great to feel that vitamin D? As usual, I'm joined by a man of vitamin D. It's Mr. Andy Saunders. Oh, I I do take vitamin D. Do you take it? I take yeah, it I have as done a for a long time. Yeah, I think they recommend it, don't they? Yes, they but, do. Uh, yeah. I do, so you, I know you're Welsh. Is that why you spell your name wrong? <laughs> it's why I spell my name correctly. <laughs> C E R I, as opposed to K E R R Y, which is the correct spelling. No, that's the Irish spelling. That's the Kerry Dixon spelling. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I am Welsh, yes. So um, for those who, who yeah, I know you don't like talking about egg chasing, um, it was rather fun this weekend with Wales beating England, but that's another and listen, thing. My, my wife is Welsh, as well you know. Yeah, so, so you, you can't be rude. She's from the valleys, or rather, or rather her, fam, her family are. So. Oh, there's lovely. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so well, Welsh wife, son son with a big Welsh dragon tattoo on his shoulder. Has um, he? Because he's taken that Welsh heritage from his mother. Um, other son who's you know sort of taken the you know taken the the, the fatherly path of of uh, of English. So yeah, we've we've got a lot of Welsh Welshness running through our family. And and do they uh, ever? You see, for me with rugby. Quite often, I support Wales most of the time until we're really useless, and then I support England. <laughs> so I, I could actually support Scotland as well. So um, yeah, I, I kind of mix my teams, which is a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Karen, Karen does as well. She, she she's um, very much uh, Wales for the rugby and England for the football. Yeah, me too. Yeah, 
Uh, I don't know why. It's just how I was brought I, I must up. Be, I think it's a sort of second generation thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're second generation. Who, who was Welsh in your family? Was it your dad? Yeah, my dad. Yeah, I was Karen's dad as well, was Welsh. Yeah, so... And, uh, um, you know, so I think it might be a second generation thing where you, you know, where, where, you, where you mix things up. Yeah, well, you know, and, and my father, he was really steeped in Welsh history, having grown up with Dylan Thomas and things. Oh, and yeah. Them come, Richard Burton. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. So, yes, it, it kind of was there. I, I, I never forgot... I had Welsh blood, put it like that. Right, right. But, um, but yeah, so you've been out enjoying the weather, Andy? I have. Um, I enjoyed Saturday because it was lovely. I was, we, well, I was just telling you, wasn't I, for about half an hour how grumpy I was, which will come to, as no surprise to anybody that follows me on Twitter how grumpy I am. But I am grumpy today. Um, but I have to say that the, the bit of sunshine over the weekend lifted my, new, my mood exponentially. I just, you know, it just feels like a weight lifts when, you, when you've got that kind of weather, doesn't it? Well, you can just be out in fresh air and, yeah. uh, and it just changes everything. When we're one side of a window pane, it's a, it's a very different beast to being able to go, shall I stay inside or shall I go outside? I mean, mm. hopefully in the coming months, we'll have total freedom again and we can go, I don't care anymore because it's all going to be fine. But um, yeah, yeah, I can get my hot tub out again. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, and we can see more of those <laughs> dreadful photos of you in it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a big week for me. I'm, I'm getting my, um, my COVID vaccination on Wednesday. Yeah, it's, one of the small mercies of being incredibly old. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, just making sure that the right people live. That's what it's all about, Andy. Um, yeah. Are you excited? Uh, I don't know. What I didn't know was uh, when the text came through to me uh, and I went online to book it, normally everyone I know who's had it, it's like for the next day or the day after. Mine was, I think, six days later. And, right. and I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. But I thought, well, I'll book it for, for Wednesday. And then I found out that if you've had COVID, you can't have the vaccination until at least 28 days after you were first diagnosed with it. Right. So I, I didn't know that, but apparently... I didn't know that can, either. Yeah, it can be yeah. a real problem for you if you've had COVID and you have the vaccination too early. Well, Karen had it, my wife had it, and she felt rough as old dogs for two days afterwards, so prepare yourself for that. Yeah, well, that's the other side. Feeling bad is a very good thing. It means yeah. that your body is going, oh, right, we'll have a dust-up, we don't like this, we're going to get on and learn out how to beat it. So, yeah, so yes, well, don't plan any strenuous activities for the two days afterwards, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Anecdotally. I mean, yeah. maybe some people don't get any ill of it at all, but she did. No, quite a few people I know have felt pretty damn rough. Um, so we'll see. They, they don't... It's interesting, isn't it? They don't tell you too much about that because they, I think they're worried about take-up because I know in some areas there's people I know who are in their 40s and they've been able to book their vaccination because the take-up's been low. Yeah, I haven't had it yet. Um, I, I, um, I'm on 55, so I'm probably, I would have thought, in the next kind of tranche of people to have it. But I, I always have the flu jab because I'm asthmatic and um, that always makes me feel really ill for a couple of days afterwards as well. I find, I find, yeah, I usually have it in the morning. The rest of the day is a bit miserable, um, but usually after a good night's sleep, I'm fine. So who knows? None of us know. Look, I've, you know, none of us know how we'll react to a vaccination, let alone to COVID. It's, it's so variable. There do you is... take lots of supplements? I mean, I know you take, you know, various pills and stuff for your ailments, but do you take, you know, other stuff apart from vitamin D? Uh, CoQ10. 
What's that? Uh, it's um, well, it's it's a bit complex to talk about, and I'm probably not clever enough to. But it, it's very good for the immune system. Okay. Um, so yeah, look into that. Uh, that and vitamin D. I've just always taken them ever since I was ill years ago. Um, right. Well, vitamin D, not so much. Uh, and also, don't forget, if you're getting regular sunshine, don't take the vitamin D. You, sh- you shouldn't keep on doing it while you're getting real vitamin D. Right. But um, but yes. That sounds like a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Over vitamin D. I don't know what happens, but, you know, maybe okay. you'll find out and report back to us. But yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So I suppose we should talk about the old football because... Um, we had a very interesting week with Chelsea. I mean, you were very nervous about the first game of the week, which was going to Bucharest for the game with Atletico. Mm. I was saying, if you remember last time, I'm not sure they're the same side playing a different system. They're not where they want to be yet. It was, um, well, you were nervous. Were you even more nervous by the time the teams were running out and you'd seen the teams? Uh, well, I'm always nervous uh, when Chelsea run out. I'm never, I'm never half uh, glass half full, I have to say. I'm always a little bit glass half empty. Uh, I, I always fear that we can shoot ourselves in the foot or get outplayed. Or I just have this, you know, too many years of watching us, you know, what, watching us not perform um, sometimes. I don't know, maybe it's just a defence mechanism where I just sort of set myself up for the worst and then it's not so bad when it happens. Um, but I just looked at, you know, at Madrid and, and just thought, well, you know, they're top of La Liga, which is a decent league, and they look really comfortable, and I really rate Diego Simeone. They've got some, you know, some really interesting players, uh, some good players, and, um, you know, we, we, we are still a little bit in transition under Tuchel, you know, six or seven games in, as it was there, not seven or eight games, um, and this could be a bit of a wake-up call, but, you know, obviously pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I wasn't blasé about it. but Well, I, do... I was going to ask, were you just blasé about it because you're the opposite to me, that if you just if you, if you, if you think positively enough, good things will happen? Well, Is that your mentality? <laughs> well, that's also definitely true. But I, I would say what I know of the, the league, and I've got family and friends out there, that it's not the same this year. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona have not turned up. Uh, mm. to play football. Um, Madrid are a team in transition. They are changing. They've changed systems, which they've never done under under Simeone. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a feeling. Of course, it, it's, it's always very different because he is one of those people who can make things happen for his team, Simeone, and, and they seem to go that extra mile. But, yeah, I, I was... As I said last week, I'd be really happy with a draw. I thought that was attainable. Um, and I thought, you know, if we could find a way to keep a clean sheet, that'd be fantastic. As it turned out, it turned out much better. So with the side... I mean, just on, just on, the, on the kind of stats side of things, I mean, Madrid are, you know, they are five points clear of Barcelona in second with a game in hand. Yeah. You know, that's, that's you know, potentially eight points clear. I mean, that's a, you know, even in a, in a, in a, uh, a league where perhaps the Giants have dipped a little bit this season, still really impressive. So, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I, I still thought this was a tough test and, you know, against a really good manager. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I just think it was a, you know, a really, really good result. Yeah, I'd agree. Look, 
for, to get anything out of a game against Atletico, we needed to be on our, our best behaviour, as it were. We needed to get a lot of things right. So, I mean, starting with the, the lineup, how happy were you with that when you saw that? Yeah, I think it, um, I don't think there were that many surprises in there, were there? I mean, it was Mendy in goal, back three of Asby, Christensen, and Rudiger. Obviously, Silva didn't make it. Um, Hudson Adoy at that right wing back position again, you know, after the trials and tribulations of the previous game where he'd been hooked after 30 minutes after coming on as a substitute and everybody was like, oh my God, it's the end of days and Hudson Adoy's confidence is going to be shot. You know, he came on and, and started as a, as a right wing back, Alonso on the other side. He went with Jorginho and Kovacic as the double six uh, with Mount sitting behind Giroud and Werner up front. You know, so it was, uh, yeah, I don't think there was a huge amount of surprises in there, were there? No, I, I'd agree with you. I, I think he picked a side that he felt could really, you know, take the game. Because when, when you saw how the game panned out, Atletico... They became attritional. They, when you look at the players they've got in their team, they, they, they could do so much more. But they're one of these sides. They're a little bit like United in this way, is that even with all the attacking talent, they'd rather stay defensive and then mm. try and hit you on the break. So, you know, I mean, Joao Felix, I mean, he's a fantastic player, but he was nowhere in the game. You know, you've got the, the dirty swine that we know is Luis Suarez up up the top, and we'll talk about him and uh, Rudiger later. Um, you know they, they've got talent, and and the midfield is full of it, but they don't want to utilise it unless they're backed into a corner. Um, well, the so- first fifteen minutes, the first fifteen minutes were a little bit wobbly. I thought, you know, we yeah. didn't really kind of get a grip on the game. We did sort of slightly play into their hands a little bit by by not being careful with the ball, by giving the ball away, by being a bit sloppy in possession. And you did think it's only going to take a lapse of concentration um, for one of those really skillful counter-attacking players to punish us. Um, but, what, you know, once we'd weathered that storm, that first 15 minutes, we seemed to grow into the game. And you're right, that, that counter-attacking setup that... Diego Simeone had adopted, which is, you know, by all accounts, you know, served him well this season, just didn't work against us. We were able to get on the front foot. We were able to to dictate, to dominate. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was overly comfortable, but it was comfortable enough for you to come away and think we dominated that game. Yeah, you you would say... When, when you end up looking at the result, you go, you know what? We deserved that result. They, they were so conservative. It, it was extraordinary. And, and yeah. they, they ceded all possession to us to the point that actually what happened, you're absolutely right. The first 15 minutes, I was kind of a little bit nervy thinking, if they get hold of it and they score, we're in big trouble. Because that's the one thing I'd say about Atletico. If they score early, you've got a big problem because they probably, in in the whole of the European top teams, they probably defend better than anyone else once they've gone one nil up. It's 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 almost classic old fashioned football in that way. They go, you know what? We're happy with one nil. If we get a chance for a second, that's fine. But you will never ever breach our defence. There so, was a moment, wasn't there, when yeah. when uh, Suarez managed to kind of wriggle through and slide one across the box, and Lamar 
was was coming in but not quickly enough and you know Callum Hudson-Odoi tracked his run really well and there was a moment where you thought it only takes a split second for someone of the quality of Luis Suarez to kind of wriggle free and put that kind of ball across the box that's all it takes they're the margins um, but we we saw that one through early doors and and after that I can't think of too many times when my heart leapt into my mouth you know there were there were moments where it was like oh don't give it away there but there wasn't any moments or periods where you thought man they're really piling the pressure on now yeah I mean Mendy had his usual uh, little moment right at the beginning with a clearance and things yeah. and but he, he's got to stop that I mean he, with the with, he's got a, a lot of qualities Mendy but the ball at his feet is not one he just he doesn't look comfortable with the ball at his feet um, and, and that concerns me and I you know I'm never comfortable when he's being pressed when he's got the ball at his feet um, so that's an area of his game that he's really got to work on and and to be fair, this is this is a, a problem with the modern game because it doesn't matter how good you are, you're still a goalkeeper. There's a reason why you weren't allowed to play outfield and you ended up becoming a keeper. You know, it's a, oh, he's in goal. Um, yeah, the last one. Do you remember? It always used to be, yeah. oh, your turn. And, and kind of you were a goalkeeper, like, weren't you? Um, one, for one game. Oh. Uh, for one game. And we lost 8-0. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I kept getting lobbed. It was really annoying. Um, That's surprising because of your height. I know. You know, you would have thought I'd have it covered. Um, being agile. five foot one? No, I'm five foot five and a quarter. <laughs> but, 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 you know, um, the thing is about goalkeepers, we are now in this age where this, this type of football... That is actually terrifying for just about every football fan. This idea that we play out from the back. It's all about getting that final ball round the corner and then you're past all the people who've pressed high. And it's dramatic, it's worrying, it's concerning. But Mendy isn't the only one. I do think he's another one of those players that needs 10 minutes or so to just calm down with his kicking. Because we've seen everybody drop the, uh, the ball, you know, literally like Edison, Allison. Um... Well, Edison, I think, is, is is the one player that you would like to kind of see outfield. He does look like the kind of, you know, he's brilliant with the ball at his feet. He does look like, I mean, yes, of course, every goalkeeper's made a ricket, but of them all, he's the one that you think he probably could do a job in midfield. I'd agree, but my, that is my point. Even yeah. though he could do a job in midfield, sometimes when that ball... And, and you look at some of the defenders, they don't half ping it back to the goalkeeper. It's not like oh. the old days. Just do it... Well, put it in that area, then he can just put his laces through it. Well, <laughs> we talked last week, didn't we, about about having Zuma, Rudiger and Azpilicueta as a back three and not having somebody who's comfortable bringing the ball out with their feet. And that's why, and I hope we come on and talk about Christensen in some depth, because I think that's either him or Silva really add that ability to kind of control the ball, bring it down and, and bring the ball out to start the transition. Because when you've got Mendy, Azpilicueta, you know, who's not the worst, but not the best, um, but certainly Rudiger and, uh, and Zuma are just not great ball players. Uh, you know, it concerns me, worries me that, you know, we're trying to play out a defence with players that just aren't comfortable in possession. It's the modern way, it's, I'm afraid, mm. and pretty much every team has been caught out somewhere along the line. And it's become this this whole thing of percentages. Yeah, OK, well, there's a X percent that will get caught and will concede a goal. But actually, what you do is you nullify five or six players. And 
Now, I, I don't particularly like it, but then I worry that I'm just sounding like an old bloke going, oh, in my day, we'd just get rid of, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the balance is. It's It just terrifies get me. Get rid. Yeah, exactly. Get rid. There's Rose always Ed. someone around you, isn't there, when, you, when you're watching a game? Yeah. There's always shout, someone always shouts, get rid, or they always shout, forward. <laughs> you know, talked about this before. Yeah, it's, like, it, it's not Hackney Marshes. These are highly skilled elite footballers. You know, they are trying to play the ball out of defence. It's like, you may not like it, but that is the modern game. And, you know, you shouting, get rid, is not going to change anything. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. In fact, get rid of the bloke who keeps shouting, get rid. That's, yeah. that's what I'd say. But yeah, somebody I, said to me, somebody said to me, it's nerves, and in, and and they're right. You know, when people do that stuff, when they shout forward or when they shout get rid, you know, that that's nerves. It's just their nerves manifesting. Doesn't make it any less irritating, but it, yeah, but that's what it is, I guess. You know, well, so. it's years of seeing us when we didn't even try and play out of the back, just give it away in in the old days. So, but uh, I mean, the thing is, of course, if you if you do pump it long like you would on Hackney Marshes on a Sunday morning, um, it's just going to come straight back to you. So what would you rather? Would you rather, you know, bring the ball out of defence and maintain possession? Or do you want to give it straight to, you know, their defender or midfielder and then be sit, you know, ringing, ringing the 18-yard box with 11 of your own players? I mean, it's, you know, you've got to, you've got to think it through before you, before you start yelling that stuff, I think. Yeah. And you know, I, sorry, go on. No, I was going to just say, you know, we've talked so many times about transitions and about how difficult it is to break a press. Um, and how the top managers figure out a way to break the press, you know, which is why Guardiola and, uh, and Klopp, to a degree, are very good at, uh, at not only pressing themselves but also breaking the press. Um, and I think Tuchel is one of those managers that thinks a lot about that. How do you how do you break the press? Because if, if that's the tactic the players are going to put on you, um, and, and teams are going to play against you, the high press, you know, the man for man marking. The, the forcing the mistake thing. How do you and, and the way to do it is to play out of defence. How you play out of defence, that's a whole different matter. And how effectively you do it. But it is it is going to be nail biting. There is going to be an element of, you know, of being on edge when they do that. Because one slip and, you know, it's it could be catastrophic. But that's that's what modern managers or elite managers want to do. They want to break the press and and and, and get forward. Because once you're forward, a whole world of opportunities opens up offensively. Yeah, and I would also say that we are in the age whereby we have more defenders who are probably more skillful footballers yeah. than, than they are defenders. Can you imagine Doug Rugby trying to do this? <laughs> oh, I'd love to. Uh, in fact, and Joey Jones on the other side. Yeah, um, and then in the past, Mickey Droy, you know, and, like... and, and Steve Wicks. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, these are not these were players that were built for you know for battle. They weren't they weren't built for breaking the press, you know. Um, you know, and, and you can't compare them to you know to the modern footballer because they were a different breed and a different game, playing a different system on different pitches and all that stuff. So I'm not I'm not denigrating their contribution to Chelsea Football Club at all. But it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to see either the silky players of today playing in that kind of battlefield that was 1970s football or seeing some of those 1970s footballers, not the Hudsons and the, you know, the flair players, but some of the the more attritional players playing in the modern game. I, I always find that fascinating to see what they would do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Do you it, think they'd be fit enough? It's a different kind of football. I mean, they probably have a problem with the ball itself, you know, I mean, when you, yeah. you remember those sodden things that, that everyone used to play with. Um, yeah. yeah, and the boots. I, yeah, exactly. The thin boots. Billy's boots. 
yeah. and, and all of that. No, I, it's a different game. I don't think you can. I mean, you can imagine it and try and imagine it, but yeah, I, it, it's like, it's like a different sport. I'd say. Well, I mean, you had George Best and you had, you know, Alan Hudson and you had these amazing flair players and they got kicked to death, but they did somehow manage to survive and rise above it. And so it was possible. But, um, yeah, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting, especially when you hear, you know, I've been hearing a lot of it recently, you know, this like modern football's rubbish. You know, modern football's dull. It's not, you know, it's, 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 too, it's too scientific. There's not enough passion. You know, a lot of that's, I think, to do with not having fans in the ground and, you know, people just getting slightly depressed about the whole situation. But the whole modern football is rubbish thing. I don't really buy that as an argument. Uh, I don't know. I think it's different. That's all you can say. You know, this is how it is now. And and you have to... Look, it even happens with the pundits on TV who moan about, oh, VAR this, or, oh, this would never have happened in my day. No, it wouldn't have. But it's a different game. And there are kids and younger people who've grown up watching this and this is the way it is. So, Is it important for you to be entertained at a Chelsea match or are you about the wins? I'm probably too old-fashioned here and I love being entertained. Do you? Uh, yeah. yeah, I do. I think it's... I think it's almost... So if we were to win games in a really boring manner, 1-0 every week, but went on to win the title, would that bother you? I don't know if it bothered me because I know now what it feels like to win the title and you go, we deserved it. Would I like to win it in style? Yes, of course. I yeah, think well, that's it... a different question. Different exactly, question. Would you but... like to win it in style? I don't think anybody would say, no, no, no. I want attritional, boring football every week. Thank you very much. Yeah. Nobody would say that. But what I'm saying is that some people are kind of going, oh, I'm done. I'm done with modern football. It's just not entertaining. It's just boring. It's just dull. You know, and I'm like, well, ultimately, you know... How I how I you know sort of look at football is is it's about wanting your club to win, isn't it? It's about winning, and you know there's a there's some kind of glory in in attritional winning sometimes, um, and there's some pleasure in that. You know I enjoyed the game yesterday against Man United. Lots of people go, oh, it was really boring. It was like no, it wasn't. I didn't find it boring at all. Thought it was all right. You know, but I, I, pretty football for the sake of pretty football, I'm just that's not for me. Is it for you? Um, no, I don't like it if it doesn't serve a purpose, but you do. And what's need... the purpose? Well, the purpose is to win a game in style. <laughs> you see um, my point though, right? Yeah, you understand course, what I'm trying to course, say? Of course. But I do think if it just becomes anodyne, pass, 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 here's yeah, a yeah. scientific way, then something will but be there's lost. No, and there's no end products and there's no winning. Yes, I agree with you. But if you win at the end of it. I just think you need a little bit of magic in, in the game, but you know. Um, but yeah, well, I, I think I think you do. I think ultimately you do. But does the magic come from rearguard actions in Munich in 2012, where we were massively outplayed by Bayern Munich, but somehow against all the odds managed to win that game? I mean, there was nothing pretty about that, was there? No, but that was the exception to the rule. That's exactly when it really doesn't matter how you win because you you found a way to do something, and actually. Knowing how we played that season, that was the point, wasn't it? We would never have even imagined we were capable of doing a I mean, backs in, to the wall in two thousand four, two thousand and five. I mean, there were some there were some great games, but there was a lot of one nils and shut up shop and bring Mikel on with twenty minutes to go. There was a lot of that going on, wasn't there? There was yeah. a lot, but you know, but it was glory. There were there was glory in that. You know, we won the league cup. We won the, you know, we won the league, and and people remember that as one of our greatest phases. But some of the football was dull. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, 
that that's the, when you're on that cycle where you've got to keep on winning and and we weren't able to to change the way we play so when you're left with certain decisions you have to make them and and actually to be fair John Obi Mikel I still rate as one of my favorite players of all time because when we bought him he was a ball playing attacking footballer that we fought man U for managed to get hold of him when probably was a man U player who knows um but we converted into him into a machine that was probably much duller than than the player he was because if you ever saw him play for Nigeria he mm. was incredible i mean he was oh, the Nigerian manager used to, used to used to you know regularly rant about how we destroyed him didn't he yeah uh, and yeah, in certain ways we we destroyed that side of him within the premier league but as a man to come on and do a job for us i mean he was second to none and he won the champions league so well he was man of the match in the champions league final yeah, he was. There's and absolutely I, no doubt about that. I mean, Drogba got the glory. Peter Cech got the glory, you know, for the save and the goal, respectively. But, um, but you know, he was man of the match for Chelsea. He was brilliant. Yeah, you know, he absolutely was. Absolutely brilliant. And for that performance alone, you know, he'll always be a legend. Um, sorry, slight, a slight rabbit hole there. No, that's okay. Rabbit holes are fine as long as you find the way out. Um, but, but, yeah, so, I mean, the game against Atletico... It was it was it was strange to have all that possession, and we really grew into the game. But we have to talk about that goal because VAR this week has helped us twice dramatically. I mean, I don't yeah. think again, and we'll talk about the United one later. But with this, I don't think anyone on the pitch thought that Giroud's goal was going to be okay or going to be no. allowed. Well, only only when it started to go on for a very long time, did you? Yeah, it's funny because I, you know, I, I mentioned to you that me and my son have got this thing about about Giroud only scores weird goals. He only scores strange goals. You know, when he's massively out of position, or they come out of nowhere, or they, you know, or they kind of come off a part of his body or whatever. He doesn't score kind of standard goals. Um, and we were having this conversation during the game, going, "This is going to take a Giroud weird, a Giroud weird goal." And uh, and there you go, and it did, um, uh, and and weird in, in its most positive sense. And you know, what what a fantastic goal! But uh, you know, until you actually saw the fifth replay of the uh, of the goal, you didn't realise that it had come. You know, deliberately offered the Atletico Madrid defender. Yeah, exactly. It was a deliberate touch by Mario Hermoso, and yeah. and it was only one angle that showed you it was deliberate. He deliberately gets his ball up there and he flicks it away. Yeah. Really, really fascinating. I mean, so for all the slagging off VAR gets, I'm afraid most of the time it gives you the opportunity to make the right decision. Now, we can yeah. talk about the man new one as to whether the right decision was made later on. But in this case, it, it was. And yeah. a lot of people are scratching their heads. But also, it takes the heat out of the situation when everyone can see that it has been analysed and has now been made with a picture in mind and the actual footage. There's far less arguing that goes on, on the whole. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was incredible. and And actually... I thought that might bring Madrid out of their shell. All it seemed to do was bring out the beast in Suarez and a few of the others. We suddenly got the classic Atletico, you know, falling over, trying to get free kicks, trying to uh, enrage Chelsea players. And that moment, can you answer me this? Why is Luis Suarez not being done 
for what he did to Rudiger. When you can see that he grabs hold of the inside of his thigh and mm. pinches him, not just with one finger, but the whole hand. How is yeah. that being overlooked? I don't get it. Well, I, I don't get it either. Um, you know, he seems to have a, you know, a free reign to be able to do ridiculous things. Um, yeah, he's just an appalling, appalling person. Um, you know, I, I did a poll afterwards and just said, he, is, is he one of the worst people in world football? And the, the answer was, you know, a resounding yes, he is. I mean, there's very few people that you can think of that are more deeply unpleasant than he is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's the win at all costs. I don't really mind that. I've seen enough Spanish football and I've been with enough um, uh, friends of mine from abroad and understand the mentality is different. But there's a line. There's a line between the um, deliberate fooling of the referee and pure, outrageous, disgusting behaviour. And mm. for me, that is as bad as a headbutt. That is as bad as grabbing well, it's just someone sneaky, by the throat. isn't it? It's yeah. just sneaky. I mean, listen, Dennis Wise did it to Nicky Butt. We've discussed that on a on a previous podcast. You yeah, know, that, that was different, we're, Andy. We're, we're not cleaner than clean in the, in this situation no. as a club. You know, we've had players that have done sneaky stuff, and Dennis Wise was one of the masters of it. But uh, I think Suarez's profile and the fact that he is such a superb footballer. There's no doubt about it. The most annoying thing about Luis Suarez, if he was just a bog-standard clogger, you just turn around and say, well, he's just a classless thug, which he is. But, you know, the fact that he's such a brilliant footballer as well, which can't be denied, I think just sort of throws it into sharp relief what an idiot he is. Yeah, totally. And actually, it didn't do them any good because apart from Rudiger obviously threatening to tear his head off, uh, we we which is what he react. wanted, yeah. Of which course. is what he which is what he was playing for, yeah. Well, and th- credit to Rudiger for not doing that, you know. No, but he told him a few things which are like, well, that's fine. But he yeah. didn't grab him by the throat, which is what he, which is exactly what Suarez wanted him to do. Exactly. And then there was the other issue where he got a ball in the chest and went down, holding his face, rolling around. A couple of them did that. Uh, it uh, look, th- this is by no means over this match because trust me. The the return leg, it is going to be full, absolutely chock-a-block full of the dark arts from that Atletico side. It it's, really is. And Diego Simeone, their manager, was one of the absolute, you know, wizards of it. You know, he's he's the guy that got David Beckham sent off in, in the World Cup. He, you know, he is a master of the dark arts. So, yeah, absolutely. And all these people, you know, that after the game go, well, this tie's over. No, it isn't. It absolutely isn't. I know we've got an away goal and they haven't scored a goal and, you know, but we've seen what the margins are. We've seen that, you know, one lapse of concentration, one foolish error uh, and they're right back in it because they only need one and then suddenly, you know, we're, we're back on level terms. What, um, what, what I'm scared about with Atletico is if you look, there is a pattern to, to the way we are as a team uh, a lot of this season um, is that it takes 10 to 15 minutes for us to settle down as a team, yeah. work out what we're doing. If anyone has any sense, what they should do is if they're going to play a defensive game, they should try and come at us for the first 10 or 15 minutes, then shut up shop if it doesn't work. Because we are nervy. We're, because it changes regularly, the side, and in certain key places, there is a chance to get at us, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't hopefully. give it all away, Kerry. 
Well, I, I, I think they may work some of it. If they don't, then fine, I'll become the Atletico manager. Yeah, I don't think but. this ties over. I think it's uh, it's going to be actually really a, a really difficult next leg. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm confident. I'm confident that we've we've got enough in the tank. We've proved that. But you can't write them off. It'd be stupid to. Yeah, exactly. But you know. Can you believe when the worry that you had that actually we're now facing a second leg where we're 1-0 up and at home against Atletico? Yeah, it's just a shame there's no, no, no people in the crowd, isn't there? Yeah, I mean... Because I think that, that, would be, uh, that would be a huge boost. Yeah, but that also might be good for, for, for this game. Look, we, we talked about fans not being in grounds and what it does, but, you know, sometimes you react against it if everyone's against you as well. So just maybe what we need is a bit of a training ground feel and, and they get bogged down in going, well, we mustn't concede a second because I think they might have a problem if we score another one early on. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's all to play for. Um, the other person I want to talk about from the Atletico game, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. I thought considering how the press had gone, oh, my God, this can't be happening, not to Callum Hudson-Odoi. The poor boy will never get over this. This is so dreadful. What a disgusting thing to have done to him. And what did he do? He got his head down, and probably it was one of his best games for us, I think, because well, he really we knew stuck that, we to We knew job. that would be the case. We knew yes. that would be the case. You know, I mean, don't listen to the pundits. They don't know what they're talking about a lot of the time. All that nonsense on match of the day of, oh, it's going to destroy his confidence. Ludicrous. Callum Hudson-Odoi is an elite footballer and an elite club. He's got, he's got more mental strength than, you know, than, than these people are giving him credit for. You can't operate at that level if you don't have a, le- a level of mental strength. Yeah, I'm sure he was smarting from it. I'm sure he was slightly humiliated. But he's a professional footballer at an elite club uh, who plays at the highest level. So make no mistake, that kind of stuff, if, if handled well, which by all accounts it was, I think they all had a big old conversation about it and, he, and Tuchel explained his reasoning behind it. Handled well, it was no problem and, and so it proved. Uh, you know, all that was nonsense and a distraction. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, th- I thought he really did learn something from it because he took it all on board and I, I thought he had a fine game. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it was. I, I, I thought when... It was one of those games where I was watching it and as the game grew the more I was prouder and prouder of Chelsea. The performance they put in, the decision-making on the whole was fantastic. Mm. Um, Everyone had a a great game. But I do think there is this thing at the moment all about keeping clean sheets. You know, we, we live in an age whereby I honestly don't think defenders defend as well as they used to, as we've said. Um, And consequently a clean sheet is is something to be lauded, where actually, most of the time, it should just be something that happens in an awful lot of games. But it's not like that now. But what I would say is probably one of the biggest winners, away from Rudiger and Aspi getting back in the side in a three, the probably the biggest winner and the person who's probably more thankful to Thiago Silva getting injured more than anyone is Andreas Christiansen. He's now, again looking imperious in that central role. He's looking like that player that Conte broke with that game against Barcelona when he'd overplayed him and he hadn't been back as a player for the last few years since that. Under Tuchel, he has 
gone on to show us exactly how good he is and you think he can only get better. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's been magnificent since he came back into the team. We always knew he was better in a three. Always knew that. We always knew that he was a really good ball-playing defender uh, who was very calm in possession, who could pick a pass, uh, who read the game very well. His deficiencies were that maybe he wasn't as robust as some other defenders um, and aerially maybe not as dominant as others. But with the ball at his feet, I think he's among our best defenders. So I think it's brilliant to see a player that we all knew was class come through under a manager that trusts him in a defence that knows what they're doing. I think it's great stuff. Okay, so here's the question. When Thiago Silva's fit, what happens then? Unfortunately, I think Thiago Silva comes back in because what Thiago Silva gives you is experience and leadership. Well, I think that's also true, but I would say Christiansen Christensen is actually ordering everyone around. He's become a leader. He's yeah, stepped up not to the when, plate. Not when Silver's available. We'll see. I, I think it'd be interesting. I, I wonder if... I, I, I can't see him moving him to the left, which is the only place that he could... He's going to drop him. out. Silver's going to come in. Yeah, but he'll... I think you know, be... you know, I'm right, Kerry. I mean, I know, I know, I know you're trying to keep him in there, but, um, you know, Thomas Tuchel loves... Uh, Tiago Silva. He loves him for his leadership. He loves him for his experience. He loves the fact that he marshals the back three. He's not going to drop Rudiger and he's not going to drop Aspilicueta. The person he's going to drop is Christensen. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's probably true. I'm just seeing if there are other options or whether the way he'll handle it is saying, look, you are stepping into this side in place of Silva. He's probably going to be here, you know, for one more year. Um, but yeah, you I will agree be alongside. With that. I agree uh, with that. No, sorry, you're, you're right on that level. I think in terms of a long a long term transition, I think there's 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 something in that. And I think that you know whether we can keep Thiago Silva for, fit for the remaining games remains to be seen. I mean, the old boy's getting on a bit, you know. So, you know, if he, if he, if things do start to fall off him, then Christensen's brilliant. And I th- I'm sure that conversation has been had, as you've just said, about look, you know, this is a guy that's coming towards the end of his career. You know, we're going to get what we can out of him because of what he brings to the team in terms of leadership. But don't, but you're very much in my plans, and I want to keep developing the relationship with you because I still I think that there's a place for you in the middle of this defence. You know, if we keep going like that and the work you're doing so far has been brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So lastly, on Atletico, who was your man of the match? It's a good question. I think you'd have to give it to to Giroud for his impact on the game. You know, I just think for, for impact, you probably, you know, it's, it's hard to look past him, I think. Um, but in terms of overall performance... Um, I don't know. I think it was. Uh, I think Hudson Odoi had a, definitely had a, a shout. Definitely had a shout for it. Um, so one of those two, I think. Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's interesting. It's the classic striker man of the match. Does nothing most of the game. But nobody else looked like they were w- ever going to score a goal, did they? And he, it was his bit of magic that did that. And I just think sometimes you've got to look at who had the most impact on the game. Well, it's it's that's, a bit. That's one of the criteria. But you know, if you're not looking at that, if you're looking at an overall performance, and I'd probably say Callum. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I I think with Giroud, it's kind of like a Drogba man of the match. Does yeah. nothing and then does something 
just changes the course of everything. We wouldn't well be in it. this. We wouldn't be in this position without him, would we? So that's no. That's that's the thinking behind it. And I know, you know, there is no criteria. There's no. There's not a rule book that you pick up and go right. The criteria for man of the match is this. Tick tick tick. It's like who impacted the game the most or who stood out the most. Well, that was a nil nil game with a moment of magic. You know, that came from Giroud. So from that perspective, he impacted the game the most. If you're looking at an overall performance throughout the game at a high level, I'd sort of do it. Yeah, I'll go with that. Right, well, look, we've got to go to a commercial break now. But when we come back, we'll discuss the United game. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. So, Andy, moving on. We have Manchester United at home. Now, this is a, it's a funny old match, this, with, with us and United at the moment. It's not been the most exciting of fixtures, and we haven't done so well. Um, it was actually, weirdly enough... The start of our last big run was when uh, we went up there and got a nil-nil and we played in a, in a certain manner after we'd been leaking goals. Um, and it was strange because Solskjaer has got this terrible record with United against the top sides. Um, and you just didn't quite know what to expect. So how are you looking forward to this one? And what did you think was going to be the biggest hurdle for us? Well, it's Man United, isn't it? They're second in the league. They've got a bit of confidence. They've got individual players that you know on their day can can you know take the game away from you. Um, I always felt they were a little bit suspect defensively. Um, I don't think they're the complete unit. I think their their sort of league position is a little bit misleading. I don't think they are the second best team in the league. Um, but you know, you, you just know that they're a they're a team that have a certain amount of belief and can, and can pull it out the back. They're they're probably a little bit further down the line in terms of you know their team understanding of what they're trying to do than we are. So that was the biggest kind of fear is that an individual player would suddenly pull something out the bag, whether it was a Mason Greenwood or a Rashford or. You know, one of those, you know, or Bruno Fernandes, who's had an incredible season, who was anonymous yesterday. But you know, you can't argue that he's had a, a, a mercurial season. Um, so that that was the problem, and I think the team we picked, you know, was was a good one. I, li- I like the team that we picked. I mean, it was the same back four, if you like, Mendy, Aspilicueta, uh, Christensen, and Rudiger. That that worked. Um, but then he paired up Kante and Kovacic. Which you know we've we've been slightly eyebrow roused about in the in the past, saying that is that chemistry there, but for this game I kind of liked it. I liked the energy that that you know that promised. Um, Chilwell came in ahead of Alonso. Nice to see him back in a wing back position. 
Uh, and then we saw Ziyech uh, come in um, with Giroud keeping his place up front. So it was an interesting team. Hudson Odoi again, you know, at, at right wing back. Um, so, so there was a lot in there to process before the game um, of what his thinking was. But, you know, it, on paper, it looked, it looked good. Yeah, it did. Um, I suppose one thing that was quite intriguing was the fact that Tammy didn't even get on the bench this time. And when mm. Tuchel was asked about that, he says, I have 18 spaces and I have 21 players. So this time he didn't make it, which is giving you all the information and nothing. Well, you also, know. you know, we also have another, you know, another game in four days time and then another game three or four days after that. So, you know, there's, there's things he's not saying there as well. Yeah, for sure. But are you... And he's wor- had an injury knock. Of course. But are you worried about how things are potentially panning out for Tammy? Well, I think it's up to Tammy. It's up to Tammy to really prove himself. You know, Tuchel has set a very, very high bar. He's proven with his treatment of Callum Hudson-Odoi that he doesn't care about reputation. He doesn't care about fan favouritism. He doesn't care if you've been at the club, you know, since you were six years old. What he cares about is whether you can follow out, uh, you know, whether you can process his instructions on the pitch and whether you can follow what he wants you to do and play in a way that he wants you to play. And if you can't, then ultimately you're not going to play. And he's put that marker in the ground and it's up to Tammy to, to turn around and say, OK, I understand what you want. I'm going to deliver it or not. The choice is his. Um, and Tuchel clearly, I think, doesn't trust him as much as he may trust some other players. And I think he knows he's a good player and he has, you know, he's delivered uh, during his race, delivered goals during his reign. Um, but he hasn't quite reached that level of trust that he has in, say, some of the other players in the squad. I mean, Callum Hudson-Odoi has gone through this um, and is seeming to react well to the challenge that's been thrown down to him. Mason Mount wasn't picked in the first game against Wolves, but came back and put in that seven-minute performance and has been undroppable ever since and has risen to that challenge. I think it's up to Tammy to do that. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I I would think, would Tuchel have picked it differently if he'd have seen what United were going to do. You know, that high press that they they put on us, it really kind of nullified Giroud, apart from that one flying header, which he just didn't quite get to. Um, yeah. He ended up separated from everyone, and it was kind of a big surprise to see United play like that. Um, it, it was... Negative in a positive way, if you know what well, I mean. Well, he was... pushed his fullbacks very high up. Yeah. You know, he pushed up Shaw and and Wambasaka right up the pitch, which meant that Hudson Odoi maybe didn't have the freedom that that Tuchel hoped he would in that position. Uh, it meant Zayek was you know sort of chasing shadows a little bit. It meant that, as you quite rightly say, Giroud was isolated, um, and it didn't quite work. What did work, I thought, in the middle was Kovacic and Kante, who were exceptional. Um, and I think ran around and, 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 and put out fires all afternoon. Um, and I thought the back four, uh, sorry, the back three and the goalkeeper were very solid. Um, I, I didn't see any issues in, in, in the way that we played too much, apart from when we did have opportunities to move forward, we maybe didn't capitalise on it. I thought Ziyech Ziyech had had another average game, looked a little bit lightweight. Um, I thought that we didn't really um, capitalise on opportunities to get forward. And a lot of that was was the fact that we had Giroud on the pitch. If we'd had a speedy uh, centre-forward, whether that was Tammy or whether it was Werner, we may have 
created a little bit more on the break. Um, but because we had Giroud, who's a little bit lumbering, he hasn't got the pace anymore at 34, almost 35 years old. Um, you know, we are a little bit hamstrung about what we do when we do get forward, when we play someone like that. So I don't know whether you give credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for, for doing that or whether we, you know, whether we put some blame at Tuchel's door for that or whether we put some blame at the players for not being able to exploit it. You know, Mount didn't have... In the first half, I thought he was great in the second half, but in the first half, he didn't really affect the game, I didn't think. Yeah, but he he quite often takes time to grow into a game. He does. And to work out where the spaces are that he can move into. Plus, he's working with Kante and Kovacic for the first time. It, again, it's what I was talking about. No, it's we not a blame. I mean, you, I mean, you yeah. don't have to defend him to me. I no, just, no, I'm, I not, just... I'm not defending. I'm, I'm just saying he is always that kind of player who needs to work out where the game is. Then you get the the, the unbelievable return of what he can do. I mean, that mm. run in the second half was... He, he was unlucky. Went with I the still... wrong foot, though, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> didn't he go did. with the wrong foot? Nobody picked that up. Nobody said that. I mean, it was like, why have you gone with the wrong foot? Yeah. Just, I just hit the ball. I couldn't work out whether he was actually trying to pull it across or have a shot. It, it was a bit of a... It, it was a bit of a not quite one thing nor the other, but um, yeah, it was it was disappointing. Well, it was, it was a shame, really, because you're right, it was brilliant. I thought second half he was he was great, and I thought Kante second half was was amazing as well. Um, I thought the Kovacic Kante double six thing worked really well. Um, I thought Chilwell played well. I thought everybody played well. Um, we just didn't. Correct. And, you know, the margins are there again. If Giroud had, was, you know, three or four inches further forward with that header, which you'd have put money on, to be honest, of him scoring, then, um, you know, then it would have been a different story and everybody would have said, you know, what, what a great performance against the, the, you know, the second team in the league. As it was, everybody's going, well, that was really boring. That was really dull. Why can't we beat Man United? You know, and, and sort of into this sloth of negativity again. It's like sometimes you're going to have games like this where you cancel each other out. I actually enjoyed the game. I thought it was a, a fascinating game. I just thought that United were a little bit cowardly in what they want to do, considering they're supposedly second and chasing for the title. You saw yeah. through that game, that is not what they're doing. They're trying yeah. to keep distance between them and the teams below them. That's all that that, that Better is. result for them than it was for us. Yeah, it, considering the position they're in, I'd agree. Uh, yeah. We have to say... You know, and this kind of annoyed me afterwards when Solskjaer, and this is why I actually remember, he is a man new guy through and through, and they are all the kind of people that wind me up there at that club. When he goes, Oh, we got robbed of two points oh, today. Yeah, well, that, that was idiotic. But it is because. If he had they, two points stolen from us, he yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. If they get a penalty, who's to say, A, they'll score it? And B, that that might not wake us up into suddenly going, right, well, get on Pulisic, get on Werner, we're going to really attack you now. It wasn't a bloody penalty. No, well... If it wasn't it's... a penalty. It wasn't. You know, I mean, you know, you, I, I, I understand technically it could be interpreted as such, um, but for me it wasn't. It wasn't. And that's not me with blue tinted spectacles on. You know, if you're giving penalties for that, it's ludicrous. Yeah, I, I, I agree. In this day and age, I was expecting, once I saw that one angle where you see his hand does flick the ball, yeah. then you think that's going to be a penalty. So, yeah, I can I don't understand. know what Tuka was on about when he was turning back. It's like, oh, they hit a Man United player. It's like, what are you want about, Thomas? It's like, you know, that's not the argument. You seem to be having a completely different argument to everybody else. Well, no, he was saying, because the main angle, it looks so like it hits um, Greenwood's uh, yeah. part of his arm above his elbow. It's only that reverse angle where you go, oh, OK. So I think he'd only seen that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it was one of those. 
Nobody called for it. The only people who are calling for it were Chelsea players calling for a, for a handball against Greenwood. United players didn't. It was only when they suddenly realised again that it's taking a long time that there's a decision to be made. And then yeah. we saw that surrounding the ref, which is a bit weird, really. Um, and yeah, then we moved on. There wasn't any fighting or arguing. Oh, my God, this is, decision is disgraceful. Only from Solskjaer. We move on. Yeah. The game carried on. And that was it. But robbing them of two points, I don't think so. No. You know, really didn't. I mean, they had, they had moments of the game where, you know, they, they played well and they pressed us. We had moments of the game where we played well and pressed them. You know, it was just two teams, I thought, at this stage of their evolutions, evenly matched, who didn't quite rise to the occasion in the final third. I mean, that, that's what this game was. I mean, I, thought, I actually thought it was, you know, I, I wasn't... I wasn't devastated by the result. I mean, I thought it was a reasonably fair result. I mean, I think you, you know, if you sat there disappointed and thought it was a bad result, I can't. I don't know what game you were watching. No, if we'd have lost two nil, that would have been a bad result. Exactly. But- I mean, not losing a game is not necessarily a bad result. Do you see no. what I mean? It's like I had a conversation with somebody yesterday on social media who was going, "It was a bad result," or "These are bad results if you don't win them." It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. There's so many variables. In football, there's so many different potential things, which is why we love the game, because no game is the same, and every single second is different. Um, there's so many variables that sometimes if you don't lose a game, that's a decent result, or that's a fair result. You know, To say it's a bad result because you, know, because you want to layer on some agenda or narrative, I just don't get it. No, exactly. And we move on, and we move a point closer to West Ham. I think we're in a really strong position to mount a top four challenge which is you know realistically what we can expect this year we're not chasing the title this year what we're chasing is champions league football so let's be realistic about it look at the games ahead of us you know realize that we've got liverpool and everton are going to be tough games and leads to a certain extent and after that we've got a bunch of winnable games um and i think we're in a really you know strong position to mount a challenge and if you'd have said to me what do you want Tuchel to do when he comes in? I want him to steady the ship. I want us to halt this downward trajectory that we seem to be on. I want us to put together a run of results. And I want to be in a position to challenge for top four with 10 games of the season remaining. Yeah, I'd agree. And we're on course for all of that. So exactly, there you go. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, well, look, we've, we've got coming up, we have Liverpool and then Everton. Well, this is... This, this week is probably the toughest week for some time, what with United um, yesterday and those two coming up. How do you see those two panning out? Let's start with Liverpool. Well, you know, it's Liverpool, isn't it? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's not a similar game to yesterday. Um, Liverpool are not the Liverpool, the rampant Liverpool of last season where they just tore the league apart and ran away with it. Um, they're not that Liverpool. You know, they've had injuries. They've got, um, you know, they've, they've been on a bad run of results. I think they were four for four for none, as they say in uh, baseball terms, uh, before the game yesterday, uh, which they I think they won two nil, didn't they? Um, and yeah. you know, they were, you know, they they were on a poor run and and it just didn't look like they had their swagger on. Um, however, it's Liverpool and Chelsea, and that's got a lot of history. Um, and I think that. They're two decent teams going forward. Uh, I think we've probably got more at the back than they have. Um, I think if we can get at them, if we can break the press, which I think we can, um, and get forward and take our bloody chances, 
then I think I think we can win. But if we get a draw out of it, will I be devastated if we get a draw out of it? I don't think I would. Would you? No, not at all. Um, I actually just get a sneaking suspicion this is a game for Pulisic. Uh, what we saw when he came off the bench against United, we saw a little bit of that devil, the twist and the turn. Did we, though? I, yeah, I think we did. I think... I think he's had such a terrible season with injury. I just get the feeling this is the game for him. I, you know, he's he's got something. He's got something no other Chelsea player has. Is what I honestly think. Um, so yeah, maybe it's game too soon for him. I, I don't, don't know. think he'll play him, Kerry. I don't think he will. I think he he might play him as an impact sub. I think he'll play Werner uh, over on that left hand side, not Pulisic. I think. We'll we'll see. Well, we'll uh, see. I mean, we yeah. don't know. I mean, Christ. I mean, I haven't picked a, I haven't picked a team this season. <laughs> even um, when it's be, obvious, none even of us when, can even pick Even when it's it. obvious, you know. But I don't know. I think he's another player he doesn't quite trust at the moment. You know, him, Zayek, uh, Tammy. You know, there's a few players that really need to up their game. That need to well, show us show us why we're you know why we love them. You know, Pulisic at the end of last season looked like he was going to be a world beater. He's done nothing this season. You've mentioned he's had terrible well, injuries. It's, um, it's the ta- hamstring. That's all that uh, is. He's not I'm sh- confident yet. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm sure that's the case. But you can't be running out on a football team in a, uh, a football pitch in a Chelsea shirt in an important game like this if you're not hundred percent. Yeah, I, well, we'll see. I, I think if he is a hundred percent, I think he'll start. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's wishful thinking because I. I'm not I writing Pulisic off at all. At no. all, I'm not writing him off. I think he's a special player with with special talent. Um, but he needs to believe in himself a little bit more, and he needs to believe in his body a little bit more, and his body needs to, you know, to heal a little bit more. Uh, and hopefully, we'll see glimpses of what we saw at the end of last season which is a player that can tear teams apart um you know the same goes for Zayek uh, Zayek he, he, you know he is a you know he's a player that we know can you know can do extraordinary things um but just doesn't look comfortable at the moment Timo Werner is a player we know can score a hat full of goals but hasn't done it you know so we've got all these players in waiting it feels like at the moment you know that we that we we hope will come good um, and Havertz is another one, you know, who hasn't set the world on fire, but we know if he hits the kind of form that he had in Germany, he can be a game changer. So we have all these players, but they just need to click. We need to see something from them. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how that develops. Um, okay. In terms of scoreline for Liverpool, I, you know, I, I, I just feel I feel we could win it because I don't think their defence is good enough. So I'm going to say it's going to be a really tight game. I'm going to go 1-0. Okay, I'm going to go for the draw. I'm going to go for one all. Okay. Uh, okay. I would then, have picked either of those, to be honest. I mean, I think yeah. that, you know, either, either of those I'd be happy with. Yeah. All right. And then finally, just a quick word on Everton. Um, tricky side. Carlo's gotten playing an amount of football. They go a bit hot. They go a bit cold. Uh, who knows which Everton will face? Well, that's that's. I think you've nailed it. You know, that's that's the thing. Which one's going to turn up? Is it going to be the one where Calvert Lewin is 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 going to look like a, you know, like a world leading centre forward, or is it going to be the one where you know where Richarlison falls over his own shoe, shoelaces? It's it's you know it, it's going to be one of those games where I hope that you know the best Chelsea turns up and the worst Everton turns up. Uh, you know, I think we can beat them. I do. I think they're a really tricky side with a brilliant manager. We we know all about Carlo Angelotti. We know he can set the team up. Really Really well, we know that they play for him. They play for each other. They're a good team. Um, we need to be a team that night, and we need to, you know, we need to rise to the occasion. But we can beat them two nil. All right, yeah, I was, I, I'll go for one nil. 
So, uh, well, that's it, Andy. We're just about out of time. If people want to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Well, on Twitter, you can get hold of us at uh, at Chelsea Podcast. You can follow us. Uh, you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy, C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. Uh, you can follow me on Mr. A. Saunders. Uh, on Instagram, it's at the Chelsea Podcast. Um, and on, Insta- on Instagram, I'm uh, at one true Saunders, and Kerry is at Kerry Levy One. And that's it. We're out of time. So thank you all for listening. As always, thank you, Andy, as always for being here. Um, and we will see you all next week. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.